Okay, everybody, uh, happy new year. We are, we are secrets out filming this a little earlier, but you're seeing it. It's January one. Happy new year. Happy new year. Happy new year. Uh, yes. Hey, um, I have all of our, you're probably wondering who are these people with me? You know them, but what is the relationship? This is the Daily Presence writing team that's been writing daily devotionals for an entire year. And here's the thing. Uh, I don't know that we've honored all of you like we should or, or let you know how great or how incredible of a job that all of you have done. I've read through um, not all of them, but a lot of them that everyone has written, over 200 of them that you guys have written. They've been incredible. We've had over 6,000 people engage with Daily Presence online, and we haven't missed a day. Isn't that amazing? You came close. That's amazing. You came close. We haven't missed a day. 365 days we made every single devotional. Let's see. Oh, and next year they're all going, well, which is this year. Sorry, that's one. Uh, it's going to be on version. So everything, and it's the largest Bible app in the world. It's got 150 million downloads, and we have 365 devotionals on there. But here's what I want to do today. I wanted to have just a practical conversation about what it means to meet with God daily. I am assuming you all have been doing your daily devotions. I know you've done it at least twice every 14 days, right? Because that's the writing schedule, right? But um, I, I want to talk about, and, and I wanted to have the conversation in like a conversational format as people join us. And we just talk about what it means to meet with God daily. Before we do, let me set the conversation up like this. Okay, starting page one of your Bible, God has created man in his image, okay? So a great illustration would be earlier, we were arguing about who Lane looked like, right? It was, it, Trisha really wants Lane to look like him, but I mean, it's, it's pretty clear who, who the baby looks like, right? But <laughs> I, have, right? I have the same battle in my home, and, and it's, it is, I see myself in him. Right. I see myself in my children and I take pride in seeing myself in my children. That's how we start the whole narrative of scripture. God sees himself in us and he takes pride in seeing his image in us. OK, page two, we roll into the garden. So God creates a garden where is this, it's a space where he can have intimacy with his people. Inside of the garden, Adam and Eve experience the fullness of God, right? They experience intimacy. They experience his beauty. They experience life outside of a sinful world. They, they experience the wonder of God. And, and here's a really cool part when you, when you think about garden, okay? So you have the garden established in the very beginning. Luke 23, verse 43, Jesus is talking to the thief on the cross. And as he's on the cross, he looks over at the thief and he says, uh, today you will be with me in paradise. The Greek and Hebrew iteration of that word is garden. So he's saying, you will be with me in the garden. In 2 Corinthians 12, where am I at here? Uh, verse 4, Paul says he was called up to paradise to experience the things of God. Same word, garden. In Revelation 2, verse 7, Jesus is talking to the church in Ephesus, and he says to the church in Ephesus, if you will, if you will love me, you will experience everything I have for you 
in paradise, in the garden, right? The, the challenge with the church in Ephesus was that they weren't loving the Lord. They said, you've, you've lost your first love. If you'll find that love again, you'll experience me in paradise, garden. So the, the garden becomes, from Genesis to Revelation, this image of more than a space, but God's desire to meet us fully to meet us fully so that we can experience him fully. So if we keep going on, move to the book of Exodus, uh, God desires the worship of his people. Pharaoh, let my people go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So that they can worship me, right? So again, God wants people set free so that he can be in relationship with them. In the midst of that, they're moving through Aaron and Moses, and he's lead, they're leading the people out through the wilderness. There is the pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, and then they build a tent, and inside of that tent, God dwells among his people in the wilderness. Then David comes along. David magnifies the tent, brings the ark of presence into the tent, and he's called to build a temple. Again, for the very purpose of God to meet with his people. David doesn't build the tent. Solomon builds the temple, right? Mm -hmm. What was the purpose of the temple? God wanted to meet with his people. God wanted a space where he could connect with them, where he could commune with them. Once the temple was destroyed, what happened? Ezra rebuilt the temple. Why? Because God wanted to meet with his people. Here's something really interesting from, let's see here, we went through all of them. The garden, the tent, the temple, and the rebuilt temple. God's instructions to the people are the exact same every time. Cultivate and keep. So he says to Adam and Eve in the garden, cultivate and keep the garden. He tells the children of Israel with the tent to cultivate and keep the tent for his presence. He gives Aaron and the Levites the command to cultivate and keep the temple once the temple's built. When Ezra rebuilds the temple, he wants the people to cultivate and keep the temple. So we have this imagery. We have the garden that represents God's desire to meet with us. We have the temple, the tabernacle. We have all of these things where God desires to meet. We have the command to us to cultivate and keep that meeting. Now we move to Jesus. John 1 verse 14 says, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Literally came and built his temple among us, came to exist with us. And then Paul finishes it off and he says, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And what does he call us to do? Cultivate and keep that temple, to protect that temple and to care for that temple. So, all of that to say, God never intended for our spiritual intimacy to be one day a week on a Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. That's never been the intention. Hasn't been the intention from the garden. Hasn't been in the tent. Hasn't been in the temple. Hasn't been the rebuilt temple. Hasn't been when Jesus came and hasn't been when the Holy Spirit has filled us and dwell in us. It has always been so that we can experience a living intimacy with God. I love the, uh, the um, uh, was it, your body's a living temple, right? That's like sin prevention. When I grew up, that was always, the only thing it was used for was sin prevention, right? It was literally like, your body's a temple, you shouldn't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls that do, right? Like, it was like, that was always, it, but, but here, we just miss it so much if all we use it for is sin prevention. What Paul is saying is your body is now the place where the spirit dwells, 
so that you can experience the garden, so that you can be in the garden with God, so that you can bring heaven to earth and walk in intimacy. So to that end, daily meetings with God, daily devotionals, whatever you want to call it, daily presence. How about that? <laughs> right? Daily presence. Um, I've come up with five questions that revolve around that daily communion, that daily meeting, that daily encounter with God that we all experienced for a year writing these devotions. So I want to ask them, and, and here's my hope. It's January 1, you're making resolutions, you're making promises, you're starting new diets, you're joining gyms and all of these things, and those are all wonderful things. But the most important thing, and I'm deeply convicted by this, the most important thing is to get this right, is to get the daily meeting with God right. So my hope is through our conversation, we'll encourage people, we'll inspire them, we'll give them practical tools on what it means to meet with God daily, okay? So question number one that I sent to you all beforehand is this. What has a daily meeting with God done for your spiritual life? Zach, you, you sent in an email. You, you had mentioned um, God through, that God brought you strength daily through the battle between flesh and spirit and everything. Share a little more about what a daily meeting with God has done for you. Yeah, I think that every piece of our existence throughout the day is the battle between we always, you know, growing up, you see the cartoons is the devil on one shoulder, the angel on yes. the other, the battle between good and evil. And that daily meeting with God, that connection with him, again, doesn't have to be in the morning, but doing it in the morning kind of sets the tone for the day. Really, really kept my heart more in tune with the spirit and more, I don't know how to put it, that, that intimacy was there throughout the day, whereas not doing that causes the opposite, right? Mm -hmm. so, so I think for me that that was the biggest, the biggest outcome. It's good. Yeah. You shared about, I, I know you're a busy man, and <laughs> you said consistency with meeting with God brings quiet to your life. Talk more about that. I thought that was super interesting. <clears throat> yeah, I, and I think kind of building what you just said on, I... I think sometimes what it was was it was almost like a um, almost like a filter. You know, everybody when they're doing their pictures, they want to take a filter and look so good. But it almost became a filter that I noticed that <clears throat> the more that I was consistent with it, it, it might not even be whatever was on my mind. It just seemed like it helped keep things quieter, like keep the roar, the chaos under control a little bit. And and so, I, I, you know, I don't want to falsely present it like, oh, and I never had a worry and I wasn't upset. It wasn't anything <laughs> like that. But, but the opposite was really true. I noticed that if I wasn't spending time, that even things that shouldn't be that big of a deal just felt like they were getting a bigger deal. And so it was almost like an indirect relationship. It was almost like, um, you know, I, I'm reading, and so whatever the struggle is, it, it just seems to stay here instead of rising here. And that, I think that was the quiet, you know, more than, you know, not to say there weren't times of just, man, I just feel connected. But there were other times it was just like, just like that protection. It was just like a, a, a wall, a barrier to keep things back. So good. Yeah, I think it's like, and it just building upon what you two just said, I see it as like, um, it's like holding yourself accountable to, to stay in that daily connection with God because 
if you don't, you find yourself going, gee, I really haven't like read my Bible in a while. And then that's, you already, though that's a great prompting to go, you should go read your Bible. You're already in a place of like, you're in a deficit at that point. And you're finding yourself trying to play catch up and you do it one day and you're like, oh, that was great. And then you continue on in that cycle of, oh man, I still haven't read my Bible again in a while. And you know, you're constantly in this deficit of trying to catch up. And I think when you're in that deficit, you find those times of, major frustration with things that shouldn't be frustrating and, and you're going, well, why am I, you're, you're just seeing things only, you know, a foot in front of your face. Everything seems like this big problem when, when you are being consistent and holding yourself accountable to doing it daily, it, it gives you like that, that further out vision. You're seeing what, what God has for you down the road. Not everything is this right now in the moment. You can see the hope beyond. You can see what's coming in the future and what God has for you rather than worrying about your daily troubles and worries. Yeah. This is, this is one of my favorite questions to ask people. Um, in fact, some of the best things I've picked up just real practically have been, uh, I think of Dr. Gilligan, my doctoral mentor. I'm so thankful for you. One of the sweetest people I know, and he's a titan of the faith. And I, I asked him, I said, tell me what your morning looks like with God. And just hearing what he does, it's like, I, I was listening, I was like, okay, now I, I know what has made a great man of faith after hearing what you do and how you encounter God. So um, I wanna open up that question of what, what does it look like? Practically, what do you do? We have people who are watching who are saying, I'm ready. I wanna, I wanna start a daily time with God. What do I do? Um, share maybe your, your best tip or your best trick or how to you know, meet with the Spirit quickly. You know, just have, but give, give, us a good, give us a good practical application for, for what it looks like to meet with God. Go ahead, uh, again, I, I, I love what you said. I'm, I'm going to you first, man. Uh, introspection, you talked about introspection and listening. Yeah, I think for me, being introspective and looking within myself um, starts with that connection with God. Because without that, I'm selfish. Without that, I'm all of the opposite things. I'm not joyful. I'm not at peace, right? So when I'm able to be at peace with God and in fellowship with Him, I think God gives me the ability to look within myself and see things maybe in the way I treated someone. Maybe it was the way I treated my wife, which I've always treat her good, Perfect. right? But, um, you know, and, and it, it, it makes it so much easier to step out of the selfishness and see it for what it really was and say, hey, I'm sorry for, for saying that or, or acting that way or reacting that way. Um, so I think that's, that's a big piece of it, you know? Um, and advice-wise that I would give to people, I think that number one, I mean, we always think of the time with God as, well, I'm going to listen to worship. And we, ha we have things structured this way, right? Listen to some worship music. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to read my Bible and pray. And that is great. But, man, there is also a piece that leads us to failure when we think that that's it. Mm. When that is all we do and that is meeting with God, I think we're setting ourselves up for what you said where we hit this deficit all of a sudden, well, I didn't do it today. And then now I feel like a failure because I didn't do it. Instead, moment by moment, as we go from one part of our lives to the next, we're leaving the house, driving to work, going from my truck down to my office, constantly asking God to help me encounter the next situation. God, be with me before I go into this meeting. And constantly keeping that connection with him, for me, has made it more real in that relationship. And again, we need scripture, we need worship, we need those other pieces. But that moment-to-moment -moment interaction throughout the day, I think, keeps us out of maybe some legalistic 
um, failure-driven uh, mentality. So it's good. I think for me, I've seen it change a little bit. I, I feel like I love meditating. And when I, when I start off, and practically as you were saying, when I start off, I start off with a song. And I, I will start with worship. And what I will do is I won't sing the words. I will just repeat the song on and on and on until it starts to sink in into my heart. Really so if it's God is good and the song is saying God is good, I will repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and then repeat it again until I feel it like, yes, and I'm starting to meditate on those words. And then uh, from there on, it sparks uh, journaling. It sparks uh, a letter. That's how, that's how I do it. I start with Dear God. And I start a letter where I start a conversation with the Lord. That's great. Where yeah. I am just, you know, honestly laying my worries down and really meditating and really taking in, okay, the Lord is in control, you know, the Lord is good and, and I can rest and it's rich. And so forth with with every single day I will I will meditate on something and, and I remember reading uh, I think it was Mitch's Mitch's devotional of going out into nature and uh, meditating in, in, in nature and being able to see the world and realizing, you know, the Lord created this. It's good. Share about, you talked about the drive to school. Yeah. You bring that part, you bring that moment and take us to family time. Yeah. Um, so what, we, what we've always done is um, on, our, on our drive to school, it takes us about, I don't know, 15 minutes. And so what we'll do is uh, we'll make, <laughs> make, <laughs> but we say, okay, every, everybody's going to take turn praying. And we, you know, I've got enough boys. You force them to yes, pray. absolutely. Yeah. You know, Thank and, you, and Jesus. And honestly, that's part of it. And, and I say that for me and them. Because I'm real, I'm, I think when you said something about you know pharisaical or getting real legalistic, and I'm I'm always really sensitive to that. But at the same time, you know, for myself, wanting to develop a habit and making it toward, oh, what did I forget to do today? Oh, I forgot to pray. And and I think it's better to crave God, obviously. But sometimes in my flesh, I may not be craving. But it's <laughs> that okay, I need to do this. And so, what what we'll do is. Each one of us will take turns. Okay, you pray and you pray. And, you know, sometimes it's like God just heard the same prayer from four different people, you know, cause, but just to be real about it, the two things that, that get into me about why I want to do it is one, I want to be very intentional in my prayer. I'm going to sound like super good dad, and then I'm going to sound like super bad dad. So super good dad is saying, you know, sometimes when we pray, that's a chance to try to teach through the prayer or something you want them to know about God, whether it's like, Lord, I need your help today, not just them. Or even sometimes saying, Lord, I know I've been screwing up some things. So, you know, trying to to make it intentional, not just bless us, which, hey, we all do that. But a, an opportunity sometimes to where we're not going to sit down and take a lesson over what is God's goodness. But maybe in our prayer, we might say, hey, Lord, help this person or help me or help me be merciful. So that's the good dad. That's part. The bad dad is sometimes we're doing that after just screaming at each other, you know, so it's like, why are you doing that? I don't know why you do it. Why are you yelling at me? Well, I don't know. No, no. That's it. We're going to pray. And you're like, oh, okay, well, this is really good. But philosophically, I'm kind of hoping that does work for all of us, that we, that me first, but even for them, they can say, you know, you just acted like an idiot to me, dad. 
and yet we, we go to prayer. Now, I realize there's a chance for that to look like hypocrisy. I, I realize that. But also sometimes that's a chance to be real. And so even in the prayer to say, you know, Lord, sometimes I just get mad for dumb reasons and I'm sorry. Or sometimes it's like, you know, Lord, I, I know we all need to do better. You know, so, um, so sometimes it feels a little forced. And then, and then we'll also do a verse of the day because it's just, you know, whatever, you know, it, you version comes up with. And it, but, but they get a chance to read because when it's your day, you read the verse and then we'll say, hey, does anybody okay. have questions? Mm. So that's good. That's what we try to do. And then hopefully that seeks in. That's that me trying to help them, but also knowing that I need just as much as that. I love it. It's good. All right, my turn. It's my favorite subject. Um, I, first, it has to start with coffee, right? It, it's not holy if the holy water is not there, right? Um, no, but I, so I wake up, first thing I do is make coffee. And while, it, while the coffee's brewing, we have this wall of pictures of our family. And I go to that wall and I just, I pray individually for each member of my family. I just see them on the wall. I love to see their faces. I love to see us together. And I pray over that wall until I don't hear any more dripping. And then when the dripping's not going, the coffee's ready, right? So then I pour a cup of coffee, I go up to my office, and uh, I learned this from Dr. Gilligan. One of, my, one of my first things I do is, is from a posture standpoint, just bow before the Lord. However, whether I just get on my knees and I just bow before the Lord, whether I sit down in my chair and I just, I just lower my head. I, for me, there is, <clears throat> there's something about moving into a posture of submission when I'm getting ready to meet with God. And then uh, obviously worship, scripture, prayer are the, the three big ones for me. And then I just started this and there's just something beautiful about it. I think liturgy creates intimacy. Um, it can be awkward in, in big settings, but in, in intimate settings, it just creates some sort of connection. I started taking communion. So about five or six days a week, I just ordered them on Amazon. You can order the little, you know, wafer and juices and everything. They have gluten-free. So, <laughs> so I ordered the communion cups and I just, I will finish my devotions and then I'll take and I'll say out loud to myself, body of Christ broken for me. Take, drink the juice, blood of Christ shed for me. And, and then I'll repeat Jesus' words. And as often as you do this, remember me. And there's just something about that whole time. Uh, what does a daily time with God do? It, I mean, nothing's changed my life more. There's nothing that has transformed my life more. And Zach, I'm with you. I'm, I mean, I'm a way better husband when I'm meeting with God daily. I'm a way better dad when I'm meeting with God daily. When I'm not, my kids know it, right? Anna will be like, just go have a devotional time. <laughs> just, I'm just, you're a monster right now. Go have devotions, right? And, and it's just... It's transformational. All right, let's keep rolling. Next question is all yours. I, I asked the question, we've written devotionals for a year. How has the Lord spoken to you through the writing process? You are the most Lord prolific is, pen at this table. Well, uh, So how has the Lord spoken to you through the writing process? Well, wor words are my stock and trade. Uh, I'm a professional teacher of composition, so this is my craft. Yeah. Um, all, the, all the years I've been in church, and that's, that counts nine months, the beginning of nine months before I was born, <laughs> uh, I, I grew up in the parsonage. Uh, I've served in every role and capacity imaginable. I've been a Sunday school teacher. I've been a choir member. I've chaired committees. I've been members of committees. Uh, I've uh, scores of projects that my heart wasn't really in, but I felt it was a service. It was, uh, and it's true. There's, there's, there's value in that. Yeah. But for the first time in all of my years, the one talent, skill, ability that is my best. Mm -hmm. Uh, was applied in, the, in this uh, in this process. Yeah, but, but, 
as a writer. I never was a writer in ministry until, uh, at least on a, on a sustained uh, basis with a, an intense purpose such as this. So that was a real blessing to me. Uh, the Greek word for, uh, for word is logos. And uh, I think of John's, the prologue to John's gospel, in the beginning was logos, and logos was God. That even connects all the way back to the garden, yeah. in the beginning. Mm. Uh, so, you know, words about stock and trade, uh, it's just been a real thrill uh, to, to use that talent. Uh, I even quoted you. You did such, you wrote it so well in the email. I was like, I, I'm just going to quote him. I mean, it sounds so good. Should I read the quote? Yes, I should yes. read the quote, should I not? Absolutely. So let me end this way. Of all the things I've done in church over the years, choir singing, deaconing, Sunday school teaching, volunteering for every manner of ministry and outreach imaginable, writing for daily presence this last year has provided the most fulfilling service to the church than anything I've done before because I was challenged to conceive and compose logos-laden discourse. Mm -hmm. That's right. Just such a, that was a wordsmith. <laughs> then he says, hey, that's who I am, a writer, and that's what I do, I write. So to apply that vocation to the ministry of our church in such an ambitious way, or in such an ambitious and extensive project as Daily Presence has given me enormous satisfaction knowing that I did that which I do best in the spiritual service to others. I write, therefore I am. Yes, <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Who else? Right, writing, what about the writing process? Thank you for sharing that. Man. My pleasure. For me, I mean, not just the writing process itself, but the commitment that it took yes. to do this. And some of us joked prior to this that, you know, we barely got it in on time. I mean, I think I was probably the last person to finish so that it could go on to version. Um, I had four left like five days ago. Um, yeah. And, and again, this is the previous. This is 2022, not 2023 at the yeah. moment. Um, but anyway, the challenge, man, of just being disciplined in a sense of that I, this is my responsibility i have to go through this i don't have a choice not to do it you know so for me it was again it was a blessing don't get me wrong it was encouraging but it was a challenge and it it forced me to be a little bit uncomfortable at times um you know when you i talked about being introspective and you start thinking about stories that would connect to the text um yeah and some of the stories were a little bit difficult to actually find something to write about. Um, Genealogies numbers, tough. numbers was tough. I mean, there, there, there were a lot of, yeah. there's a couple of times I actually, yes, reached, I actually reached out to Luke and said, here's the passage for the day. And I don't really know what I should say about this. So yeah. anyway, but it all it worked out. And you always had a great word to come back with and say, well, hey, did you think about it this way? And I'd be like, wow, never thought about it that way. So, you know, for me, I think Yes, and you, you actually emailed me this too, that the 14-day the, the turnaround felt like a, a two-day days, right? It just, it was like, yes, it was like, what just happened? I, I have to write them again? And I think in that process, there was just a, uh, I guess I would say just meeting me in the moment of where I'm at and writing that to the vulnerability of others experiencing it, right? Um, we, we all, you know, communicate and write everything else. And, and I think it's so important that we all, we all know this and everyone else knows this. The soul that I bear is far more important than the sermon that I preach, right? If it's not here and it's not moving right here, then eloquently wording it doesn't have much value, right? But God will anoint a soul that's bared before him. And there were moments where I was like, shoot, I gotta write a devotional. I'm walking through this, I'm facing this big challenge. And then scripture meets me right where I'm at. And I'm like, oh, wow. 
okay, here it goes, right? And just bury your soul right in those moments. So I think it was because it was so frequent that it just caught me in moments where uh, you just buried your soul and shared it with other people. Anybody else, the writing process? I mean, we all wrote, I don't know what the math is. 365 divided by seven. Wait, isn't it 52? That's a week. What is wrong with us? So we all wrote 52, right? 52 weeks in a year? Yes, we all wrote 52. All right, yes. That's awesome. All right, uh, a fun question. What book, of the, what book or story in the Bible was your favorite to write about? We wrote through the whole Bible. What was it? I, I enjoyed Acts. Because uh, Acts, is, I think it's, it's, it's the most consistent narrative of any of the books of the Bible. And there again, as, as the English teacher, the, the narrative. Yeah. Uh, and uh, even though, I've, like I said, I've been in church since six, six months before I was born, and I've heard sermons preached on Acts probably 74 times over those years and studied uh, Sunday school lessons. But there were things, that I read, uh, you know, incidents that happened in the narratives that I, I don't remember that. Hmm. Uh, so I really, I really enjoyed Acts because of the narrative style. It's good. Good. You mentioned David. I loved what you said about David. I love to. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> I love you too. Um, and I think I even told Bree this because I would type most of my devos while Bree was sitting behind me at her desk. I love reading the Old Testament because, like, everything, seeing the Old Testament point to Jesus, like yeah. us reading through the Old Testament in order like that, seeing everything point to Jesus was just so awesome. It was so easy to see the details of the stories change, but still see the overarching arrow pointing all the way to Christ. And it was just really neat to, to read it so consistently like that. It's like, I don't remember the last time I read through in order. So going on that journey with all of you guys and then reading y'all's devos as well, seeing the same, all, all of us coming to that same conclusion was really cool. If the Old Testament doesn't point us to Jesus, we would be in, we would be in deep trouble. Yes. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. What else? Brie, tell us. I think just welcome to the conversation, <laughs> Brie. We're so glad you know me. Us. I don't like to talk in public, and <laughs> I want to fight. Yeah, where was where's Brie? I'll just sing it. I was. I've been. I was, <laughs> yes, will you sing your answer, please? I was thinking as we were talking about devos. I was like, this is. I'm such a quirky little thing. When I do my, I usually just sing my prayers, and that's what I do. And I'm like, this is. A, I'm not going to share do. that because everyone's going to be like, what a weirdo. Why wouldn't you? But as the process of writing, be, being more or less like walked through the Old Testament, which I think we ignore regularly, at least in our personal walks, we usually just kind of end up on the New Testament. I know we cover it in church, but like personally walking through the Old Testament is kind of a much fresher experience for most Christians. And I think it did something really formative for me in understanding God's character because, and Jesus's character specifically, because there is so many epic stories of stuff that's really uncomfortable and really dark and really intense and really judgmental and really um, scary to read in the Old Testament and seeing God's character become more fully formed for me in the fact that he cares so deeply about holiness mm. that yeah. he, he can't be around anything else mm. and he cares so much about our connection that he's willing to do anything to create that space of holiness. And then my favorite part is when you transition into the New Testament and then Jesus comes into the picture and watching the progression of, you know, he has this mother who you imagine is probably this like beautiful soul and this father 
father who's humble enough to still be his dad even though things look iffy and he lives this rather meek life and we have all these pictures of this literal pictures but also mental pictures of this meek individual and he comes in Christmas and he's a baby and you know what I mean and he welcomes the children and things like that (laughs) and then he walks in the temple and he gets super mad and flips all the tables and I'm like there's God there's the (laughs) sage and and what I'm looking for and so I remember reading that and I think we ended up writing a song about it at one point but I was like that's what I want I don't want to follow the Jesus that culture has shown me I want to follow the Jesus that the word has shown me not just in the New Testament but in the old and that progression of the fact that he wants to come into me and he wants to flip those tables because I am the temple Mm. and I am misusing it in ways and I want to use it only for him. So I feel like that was the the beauty of the process for me this year. Super good. Yeah, that was good. Who wants to follow that? I'll I'll do the David thing. Do it. Yeah, my my story on David. I mean, I've always connected with the story of David and from him becoming king to him, you know, leading Israel to the David and Bathsheba incident and then the fallout related to that and then his restoration right after that. So it just I think the story of David and his life I see myself in him. I see my downfalls, my struggles, that even when, because the Bible says we've heard this over and over again, he was a man after God's own heart. Mm -hmm. And I see my own desire and my want to be close with God and intimate with God, and it's constantly being challenged. Even to this day, it's challenged by all of these outside influences. And I just go to that store and I go, thank you, God, that you've given me something to see here that you still considered David, a man after your own heart, because you knew his heart, and his heart was that he, he chased after you, even in the midst of his struggles and, and, and bad times. And I'll just add on, I don't really know you very well. I know of you, Daryl, that is. But I feel like I've gotten to know, no, I'm serious, I feel like I've gotten to know you. It yeah. might be kind of weird, but I've gotten to know you better by reading yeah. some of your devotionals so it's been really really cool yeah. getting to and i know you guys really well so i'm like oh that's pretty funny yeah. uh, so, you can so see that, that one that's another cool yeah. thing about the process that was interesting yeah. because i knew everyone at this table and i got to know someone else better yeah. via Definitely. stories so all right last question uh what encouragement so we've got hundreds of people watching and they're saying sign me up daily meeting with god you guys did it for a year you wrote about it um I'm in. What encouragement would you give everybody watching to meet with God daily or what, what, how to overcome the difficult times or how to keep the rhythm or whatever it may be. I want you to have, we're just, we'll just go around the whole circle. I want everyone to share in this one. Okay. So uh, kick us off. What encouragement would you give? Yeah, I would say be a spring coil. Always bounce back. Sometimes, good. sometimes you can get the goal of like, this is going to be a year, 365 days. I'm going to go to the gym every day. I'm going <laughs> to eat healthy every day. And of course, I'm going to read scripture every single day. And then first week of January, you've already failed in all three, right? <laughs> uh, and I think it's so easy to dwell on our guilt when we fail. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to stay in that place of like, "Eh, well, I haven't been reading for the, or I haven't been meeting with God for the past three days, week, month, call it whatever you want. Uh, And we'll dwell on it and we'll feel guilty and it'll hold us back 
from bouncing back. Mm -hmm. uh, it's almost like we're putting more pressure, but we're ne not letting go. Yeah. Uh, so I would just say it's something that helps me. It's just God is not pressing you down. He is saying, come back to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He is saying, I'm here. I'm waiting. Uh, you know, I've always been here. So I would say if you do fail or if you do stop, just jump back in. Don't be afraid. Just, you know, let the guilt go and go in again. It's a great word, Andy. I had, when I was in student ministry, I had a youth pastor look at me and say, uh, don't miss two. So don't miss two days in a row. <laughs> and for me, it changed because like I'd miss one and they're like, oh, now I got to go back to this box and now I got to catch up and check this box and this box. But like the idea of don't miss two just gave me an instant spring coil, like you said, mm -hmm. very well said. I'm not going to miss two. I miss today, but I'm not going to miss tomorrow. Right. I'm not going to miss two in a row. So good stuff. That's good. Uh, one of the things that I did that uh, was helpful to me, uh, especially when I had the devotions to write, Oh, look at an example. The Balm of Gilead. I had that passage. And I've heard that song, you know, there is a Balm of Gilead all my life. <laughs> what, what is the Balm of Gilead? So Google, I looked it up. And it enriched the devotional that I wrote. It, well, first of all, it enriched my understanding. And it enriched the devotional that I, that I wrote. I mean, information is at our fingertips. Yes. You know, the devices. Uh, there are allusions throughout scripture references that if we don't understand the, the historical or, or cultural significance, we'll miss something in the passage. So I would encourage, in addition to just reading, uh, also slow down, slow down once in a while and uh, try to learn uh, about some of the details that, you, that you're reading. It's great. It's good. I'm a teacher. Yes, you are. <laughs> I doubt about it. Um, so as I kind of process through this, what I, what I think of is, <clears throat> and I think you know, we hear it, you know, you've talked about it as when you preach, hey, I'm, I'm also preaching at me. And, you know, I think that when people, and certainly I'm not like worship, but being some background with some music, you know, when you're trying to write and, you know, things are very intensely purpose, or, you know, intensely um, inwards, that introspect that you were speaking of. And so I think sometimes for other people, they might look at the song or the sermon or a devotional and go, yeah, I don't hear God like that, or I don't, you know, and I don't mean to hold anybody up. What I mean is, for me, the whole process would be an encouragement of it's exactly the same. I mean, there were times that I read that silly text 411 times, and I went, dude, no clue what we're going to talk about. <laughs> Nothing. You know, I've got, I've got no idea. And I tie that into the walk that I have, because there are times... And I think I referenced it kind of in my story. You know, here's the children of Israel. They've got the pillar. They've got the fire. God's there. And yet they're wandering. I saw the Red Sea. And yet, a few days later, let's build a golden calf. And I'm going, yeah, if I saw the Red Sea, would I do that? And God's going, hey, remember about six months ago when you said A and I did the, and yeah. now you're back here going, God, do you even listen to me? Yeah. And yeah. so that's me. That's, you know, kind of bearing that soul. I, I intensely struggle with that thing sometimes. And so I think maybe what I would encourage people is, is it's kind of like the Facebook world or the Instagram world. It always looks great when you see the finished product, but you have no idea how hard it was to get there sometimes. And I think we have to encourage ourselves that sometimes I've read a verse and I went, man, I could write all day on this. And there's other times that I went, dude, what is wrong because I'm sitting here and I've got nothing and it's been two weeks and I've tried to plagiarize from four other people <laughs> you know, it's, it's, but, 
but I, I kind of think of that sometimes in our walk and that striving to get out of the emotional aspect of it and more of the, you know what, God, man, I don't feel it right now, but still I'm going to keep going, you That's know, good. and yeah, I just, I'll leave that there. So, That's good. Yeah. It's really good. Zach, how would you encourage people who are beginning um, a daily walk with God? I would say to start with something manageable. Too. Um, I think that a big piece of the failure could lie in if you've never done this before, if you said you're starting from scratch, you've never prayed, read your Bible, done worship on a regular basis, it might not be the best idea, to be honest, to go through the whole Bible in a year. Yeah. I, I just Absolutely. might not be the best place to start. So that you don't start out running a marathon, you start out running a quarter of a mile and you build to that if you're conditioning yourself physically. So the same thing applies for us spiritually. I think take small steps, start with a verse. You talked about looking up the history. Digest a verse and, and really take the pieces of that verse, slow down with it, start smaller, um, and I think that'll help out a lot. It's really good. Yeah. Mitch? I think from uh, a really practical standpoint, it's because my day, my like quiet time has looked very different throughout my life. You know, I've had like candlelight while I read my Bible, and I've like, <laughs> I've done it in the morning, I've done it at lunch, and you know, yeah. yeah. That was a fun season. <laughs> I'm like by the bed, mm, I'm just reading the Bible. Yes. Um, but I've done it in the morning, I've done it in the afternoon, I've done it in the evening, I've done a mixture, and I feel like all of those things have been great for that season of my life, but truly the most practical thing I've done recently that has really set me up for success, um, I've turned off notifications on my phone for my email. Like, I do not get notifications for work or personal on my email. So when I wake up in the morning and I turn my alarm off, the first thing I see is my verse of the day. So I read my verse of the day, I get up, I bow before the Lord, mm. I go make my coffee, and while my coffee's brewing, I open up my my daily devotional book that I have and I sit there and read and my mind is not filled with chaos from whatever return I have to do or whatever somebody needs from work like I am setting myself up for success for the day to commit to I'm going to make God first and that's the first thing that my mind is going to focus on okay. for the day so that's super practical Mitch but I just turn that's off my great, notifications <laughs> that's great that's good. All right, Bree. okay my Starts off with singing. Encouragement. <laughs> hey, you only have to make a joyful noise. It doesn't have to be good in the morning, especially. Um, I would say, also, I agree, like, be yourself. Um, every relationship is different, and you do not need to do ABC like your neighbor does for it to be connective with you and God. But I think mainly what gets me kind of, I think, excited about it because I think what helps me make it habitual, I guess, is recognizing that it's a relationship. And so mm. it's not a magical thing. It's not this wild thing you're chasing after. Like, if I do this, this, and this, all of a sudden I'm going to be mature. It's more like this relationship, which is if we spend time together, lo and behold, we're more connected. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's not like yeah. rocket science. And so... It doesn't need to be a formulaic thing. It doesn't need to be obligatory. It doesn't need to be any of those things. It can be if that helps you. Yeah. It has to be a relationship so or yeah. there's no connection. Yeah. And it, that's it, that's it. So the second I think I remember, I am not a habitual person when it comes to it, to be honest. And when I get off track, I go habitual because it's easier, but it takes some of the fun out of it for me maybe. 
I prefer to spend three hours with the Lord on a Tuesday and then 10 minutes with him the next day and it's just me singing. Like I prefer it that way because I'm, I'm thinking to myself like we are connected. It is like a, there is a thirst. I, I'm panting. I mean, like a deer pants for water. I want to be in his presence. I want to spend time with him because when I do, we're so connected. It, it's like, it's, it's so incredibly fulfilling and satisfying or whatever. But when I'm off track, that's when I bring in that habitual behavior and I, I start to become a little more disciplined. But yeah, there you go. Super good. You know, there, there is significant scientific research and, and uh, psychological research that suggests the things we focus our attention on first and last every day form us the most over time. And part of the sad reality that I think I grapple with as a pastor is I, I lead some people that I love, that I care dearly for, that are waking up in the morning and they're starting their day with Snapchat, Instagram, emails, text messages, Facebook, and they're ending their days watching quasi-pornographic reality dating shows or murder documentaries on Netflix, right? And then they're asking themselves, why, why is there chaos in my mind? Why is my soul feel empty? Why am I scattered and scared and fearful and worried and, and all of these things? And it's because what we start our day with and what we end our day with forms us the most over a long period of time. So. For me, I think, one, I mean to commend all of you. I know you guys walk with the Lord, and I know you walk with the Lord daily. And I love sitting at a table with people where you can just sense that. I can feel it. You are great Christian men with, and a woman, right? <laughs> um, but I think the, the, the overall message, if, if there is a message today, is, is nothing will satisfy our souls, nothing will bring us greater joy, nothing will transform our lives more than walking daily with God. Yeah. And I love how all of us share different ways of doing that and different ways of entering into that relationship. But at the end of the day, if every day we're meeting with God, we will be transformed. Yeah.